0: Well, listen. This morning, I'm I'm going to challenge you, and 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 I, I rarely give any disclaimers before I preach, but I'm going to give one today. Okay, I'm preaching to me too. Okay, so please please understand that, and uh, and I I want to challenge you. Uh, Twenty eighteen is a will be a defining year in the life of our church. It'll be a defining year in all of our lives. There will be things that happen in 2018 and in the days ahead that will guide us, that will direct us, that will uh, maybe force us into places we didn't really want to fit and uh, to do things that we maybe never thought we'd ever do. And and, and by that I mean some good things and, and maybe even some bad things. Uh Almost 500 years ago, uh, and in fact, 498 years ago, in 1519, a a Spanish explorer, his name was Hernando Cortez, and, and I just I'm, I'm always I remember Cortez, 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 Cortez sailed from Cuba, and he sailed to the coast of Mexico at a place which today is known as Veracruz, and he was intent on claiming the interior of Mexico for the king of Spain. He wanted to claim it for Jesus Christ, he wanted, he wanted to see uh, the indigenous people, the Indians of, of Mexico uh, come to Christ, but he also claimed it so that it could become a Spanish colony. He wanted to to see his nation increase their holdings in the, in the new world. And so as, as those ships, those, those 11 ships sailed to that coast and landed, 500 men embarked. Thirteen horses and and a handful of cannons. I mean, and when I say a handful, I mean three or four. I don't mean a a lot. But they they landed with the idea of taking Jesus to the Indians and conquering the land for Spain. That that was their that was their uh, goal. And for the first few weeks after they landed, they basically marched and drilled and went through military maneuvers on the beach. And then one afternoon when Cortez was satisfied that his troops were ready and that his men were were, you know, they were drilled enough they knew what to do, he burned those 11 ships. Now there wasn't an airport, okay, that they could catch a plane back. There wasn't anybody else to pick them up. That was their way there. And that was their way home. In essence, what he was saying is we're not going home. We're going to complete what we've come to do. For Cortez there was no going back. He understood the price of commitment. And he was willing to pay it. Now in just a matter of moments those 500 men from Literally, they weren't all from Spain. They are from different parts of the world. Those 500 individuals became a community. Okay? You say, well how is that? They had to. They had to. They became dependent on one another. And that dependence was required. that There was no more independence, it was all dependence and the only way they could survive is if every man did what every man was supposed to do. If every man carried out his assignment, if he did his job. In a matter of moments they became a a a community. And real community begins with real responsibility. Those men begin to take responsibility for one another. Total commitment requires that. I mean just put yourself in one of those soldiers' position and imagine what they thought when all of a sudden black smoke began to billow up on one of the ships. I mean it's, if if you've ever been to the beach it's usually bright and sunny. It's pretty. The water's pretty. This is the Caribbean over on the I gotta get my directions over on the west side, so it's pretty. But can you imagine all of a sudden black smoke begins to billow up? Oh my gosh, one of our ships are on fire. Two of our ships, three of our ships. All of a sudden there are eleven ships that are ablaze. And in a little while, that black smoke disappears, except for some ash floating on the top of the water. And you realize, and I'm gonna put this in my vernacular, we ain't going home. (laughs) <laughs> there's no there's no plan B here. All of a sudden, every man became responsible for ensuring the success of that conquest. You know what? Nobody could kick it out of gear anymore and coast. Nobody could sleep late. There was no more forgetting to do what you were supposed to do, or just simply not doing it because you didn't think it mattered. There were no naps any longer on guard duty. Uh, there was no calling in sick. Every man was responsible for his brother, if any of them were to survive. And if you've if if you've studied history and you've studied history of this hemisphere, you you will you will find out that Cortez literally conquered. Uh, the the Aztecs. He conquered Montezuma and his kingdom. And he conquered Mexico. 500 men, 13 horses, and a few cannons. Was it because they had superior skills? No. Was it because they uh, were supermen? No. It was commitment. Commitment. They were committed to a cause. There was no going back. And commitment is, a, is one of those words that in the church we like to use, but I'm not sure we really understand what genuine commitment means. Commitment literally is the promise to do something or to give something regardless of the ultimate cost to the individual or the group who made the commitment. Commitment is is an obligation. It's a, it's a duty. It's a dedication. It's a, it's a responsibility. Simply put, when one commits to an obligation or to a cause or to a community, that person makes promises that he or she is expected to keep. Promises that everybody else depends on. In other words, as your pastor there are certain promises that I have made and you depend on it. You expect it, right? Okay? All right. And as, as members of the body, there are certain promises you have made, and all the rest of us expect you to keep those promises. That, that's, what, that's what commitment is it's an obligation, it's a duty, it's a, it's, a, it's a dedication, it's taking responsibility. And so, without genuine commitment, there's no such thing as real community Within a local church. And if there's no community, there's no genuine church. There's no genuine body of believers. See, without commitment, we don't have community, and without community, we don't have a church. We just have a group of people meeting somewhere. All right? Now, commitment means. that I can depend on you, you can depend on me, we can depend on one another. That's what it means. If we can't depend on one another, if in other words if you can't depend on me, I mean if I just don't show up one Sunday and there's nobody here to preach and everybody's wondering where I am, what's going to happen next Sunday? Not many of you are going to come back many Sundays in a row. Well guess what? It works the same way out there, if you don't show up, then what are we doing? We Do we have a community or not? You say, well Nelson, I know you're upset that there's nobody here. I, look, I, it doesn't matter to me. Numbers don't, I'm not talking about numbers this morning. It's It's the end of the year, it's holidays, Look, I live in a real world, <laughs> okay? You don't count. If you're into counting numbers, you don't count on Memorial Day and you don't count from Thanksgiving to the end of the year, okay? That's just the way it is. People have family to visit. Look, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about commitment. That's what I'm talking about. And so it, it means that, that we have to be able to depend on one another, if we, don't, if we can't depend on one another, we have no real community. And if we can't depend, if we can't count on one another and we have no community, then we don't have a church regardless of what we put on the sign out there on the road. Cortez forced a commitment from his man. Y'all realize that, don't you? He, he didn't ask, hey, would it be okay if I burned the ships? No, oh, He just torched them. He forced it. They had no other choice. You see, that doesn't really work in the church, okay? While we're preaching and if I were to tell you, listen, I've okayed it and we burned all your cars, you're stuck here. You know, y'all would nail me to the wall and that'd be the end of it. So, I mean, there's no such thing as forcing commitment in the church. It can't be forced, it can't be coerced. It's a sovereign choice that's made by every person that's a part of the body. Most of the positions in a church, in the average church, with the exception of the pastor, are usually voluntary. Okay, You come because you choose to. God's called you here. You serve because uh, you want to, to be a part of what God's doing. And so volunteers are literally men and women uh, who commit to doing specific jobs. and They fill 99% of the jobs in most churches and the needs of most uh, things that need to be done in most local churches. And without volunteers, guess what? Church just doesn't function. I mean, if we had no volunteers, I'd be it. And I know about what I'm capable of. If you don't want me to lead singing uh, I'll probably clean the rest of the house out, <laughs> okay? So volunteers are the lifeblood of the church. Without volunteers the church doesn't function. But whether you realize this or not, in most churches 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Now that that's true regardless how small the church is or how large the church is. I have seen it over and over and over. That It's called the Prato Principle, and that's, it's true. 20% of the people do 80% of the jobs. And in most you know, uh, churches, the other 80%, they enjoy the labor and they enjoy the sacrifices of everybody else without investing anything. They're not committed, they are consumers. Okay, and, and there's a certain amount of consumers that are normal in a church and the process was meant to be that consumers eventually become committed. And a new set of consumers. That's how you grow a church. You don't grow a church with a bunch of consumers and no commitment, okay? And so if, if, if in a business, if only 20% of the people do 80% of the work, what happens? it folds up, it goes bust, it makes no money. And listen, the same's true in most churches. What happens is those 20% wear out. And they disappear. And they go somewhere else. And so as a church, no church can grow or reach its God-given potential with that level of commitment. Now we live in a day I wish this weren't true, but this is true. We live in a day where most people who attend church come with a cafeteria (coughs) mentality. Let me tell you what I mean by that. By that I mean I'll take what I want and I'll leave the rest. I love to eat at cafeterias because they don't just put stuff on my plate. I get to show them exactly what I want. And then I pay for what I get. And everything I get, guess what? There'll be no liver on my plate at the cafeteria. There'll be no Brussels sprouts, all right? There just won't be any of that because I'm not going to eat it, so I'm not going to pay for it. That works well at the cafeteria. That does not work very well in the church. In the cafeteria church, what I don't like, I leave alone. And what happens is loyalty is determined by what I get. Rather than by the commitment that I'm willing to make, it's a cultural model. Listen, we live in a, a culture like that. Who's the most important person in our culture today? Me. If <laughs> you don't think so, just turn on the TV. In the media, the newscasters used to give the news. They don't give the news anymore, they tell you what they think. In sports, it used to be about the team. It's not about the team anymore, it's about individual players and what I want to do and what my dreams and goals are rather than the team. It's true in politics. It's me, me, me. See our culture has changed from a culture of commitment to a culture of I'm the most important person in the world. And what happens is the individual becomes more important than the community. And without commitment, listen, you're not part of a community. I don't mean this in a bad way, but just go to a restaurant. Okay? I've eaten out a few times over the last couple of days. I just noticed this. There'll be a family at a table Let's say there's five of them. And you know what they will be doing? They're not, not, there's no community in their family. They don't (laughs) realize it, okay? And and I'm not not throwing rocks, I'm just saying our culture has swung from community-oriented to individualism. And what happens is the individual becomes more important than community. And without commitment, there's no community. And without community there is no church. We also live in a, in a cultural model of the church where those who are a part of the church would rather pay somebody to do things than do things themselves. Okay? And listen, there are, there are things all of us can't do, alright? There are some things that we can't do. Some of us can't go. I understand that. But we have a mindset, I would rather give than go, I would rather give than do. And that, bo- that, that biblical model is not biblical, it's not feasible, and it's not financially feasible. I can't hire somebody to do what I don't want to do. I can't hire somebody to do what I don't have time to do. I can't hire somebody to do what God has called me to do If I could, you know what they call that? A mercenary. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. God doesn't hire mercenaries, okay? Missionaries and pastors are not mercenaries. Staff in a church are not mercenaries. They are individuals who are fulfilling a calling on their life. They are one of us, all right? We're all missionaries. We're all. Pastors. God doesn't hire mercenaries. He raises up men and women and, and, and boys and girls to do those jobs. He calls us to commit ourselves as a part of the body. In other words, He calls us to fulfill our individual responsibilities for the good of the whole rather than just simply for our selfish little selves. How many of you are selfish? I am. I mean we all are. We all want what we want. We want it when we want it. We want it like we want it, and we don't want to wait. I mean that's just who we are. But but church is about we instead of I. In the body of Christ, I is not the most important person. I has to become we, and it does when genuine commitment occurs. Sacrifice Overcomes selfishness every time, and as as a church, as, as Eagles Wing Church, we've we kind of reached a place where we, as individual believers and members, have to choose what kind of church we will become. We're, we're kind of at that place that we have to be either a community or we become a cafeteria. Okay, and to be honest with you. I never worked in a fast food place. I, I realize 80% of Americans have worked in McDonald's. I never worked in McDonald's, okay? Because I just would have gone nuts. I just would have. And so I can't pastor a cafeteria-style church, but I can be a shepherd in a community. That's what God's called us to do. We can't be both. We can't take, meet the needs of those whom God leads to us unless all of us take on that responsibility. It, it takes commitment, it takes sacrifice. And you know what? It will cost us something. It will, it will cost us a lot more than money. It will cost us as an individual, it will require us as individuals to invest ourselves and our time. Listen, I, I say this and, and, I, and, and I, I honestly I can't do everything as a pastor, Okay. And I'm not going to do everything. All right? You say, well, Nelson, are you mad? No, I'm not mad. I'm just, this is the end of the year. I'm just challenging. God's been challenging me for several weeks with committing myself in a deeper level. But I I can't do everything, and I'm not going to do everything because for me to try to do everything is to cripple your spiritual growth. I've been in churches where the pastor basically did everything took charge of everything, led everything. Listen, I'm not that good. None of the ones I served with were ever that good either. The problem is, is when a pastor does that or if I was to do that is, is I would cripple you because God has called each of us to do specific things. If, if I do that, you know what? We won't ever mature as a body. We won't ever grow strong. Maturity and spiritual power and spiritual authority and and relational strength comes only when God forces you and me to reach farther than we are comfortable reaching. How many of you exercise physically? Okay? Let me encourage all of you to exercise, okay? I'm not making resolutions, I'm just going to do differently this year. But what I've learned is is that muscle and strength come from exerting my muscles. If I don't exert them, if I don't break them down over and over and over and they don't rebuild I don't get stronger. I get weaker. If I don't use something, you know what happens to it? It atrophies. And then when I want to use it it won't work. Bodybuilders don't get muscular bodies by sitting around and doing nothing. And neither do men and women and young people who cause things to happen in the kingdom of God. Listen, it's time we stop listening to 10,000 sermons and just put one of those sermons to work. Maybe in our job, maybe at the the store, maybe at the gas station, it's time that we stop watching endless Christian TV and just put one of the truths we've learned while watching Christian TV into practice. It's time we stop chasing popular Christian speakers all around town waiting on a new teaching and just invest one of those teachings into the work of our ministry. You see, we, we are always listening but never doing that's what what most Christians tend to do we we gather information we become sponges and there's a place where a sponge gets saturated okay it's time that we kind of jettison the cafeteria style Christianity and we vested and invested all that we can in the community listen it's Cortez men, they watched their ships burn. Maybe it's time we burned our ships. Our escape route. Maybe it's time we started doing and, and, and stopped talking about it. You know, I love the Word of God. God is so clear and, and says it in just a minimum amount of words. But James puts it this way in James 1.22. He says, "...but prove yourselves doers of the Word." and not merely hearers who delude themselves. That word delude means deceive. If we're not careful, well let me put it this way, the saddest person is the person who is self-deceived. They've deceived themselves into believing a reality that's not real. You know anybody like that? All of us do. They live in their own world and everything and they think everything's great and and their, and their world's falling down. If we're not careful we can be that person. If we don't do instead of just listen. We, we've kind of reached a place from which we're not going to move until we become a true community of believers who are dedicated, who are obligated, who take responsibility, who are committed to one another and to others more than we are ourselves. Until I'm not the most important person uh, in, in my life. My life's not going to work very well. The same is true in, in our lives. Until we become overwhelmed at the lostness of the communities that surround us, you know what? We're probably not going to share Jesus with anybody. Until we understand that, you know what? Unless we have clean buildings and we have clean grounds, we're not going to get any visitors. Uh, Unless we understand that, that, you know what, unless we're willing to pick up paper wrappers, trim a bush when it needs to be trimmed, put a roll of toilet paper on a dispenser, sweep the leaves, or a thousand million other things I could say. How can we expect things to change? Listen, let me say this, if you pull up on this campus, and I say this with a smile, okay, and you say to yourself, gosh, I wish someone would do blank. Then until you're willing to be that person and do it, it's likely not going to get done. That's just how it works. Unless we're willing to step out and we're willing to volunteer to do jobs that, you know what, nobody else is going to see. Nobody else is going to know except God. Then, you know what, we're not 100% committed until we're willing to do jobs that, you know what, we're not comfortable doing or we're not comfortable, confident in, some jobs that we'd rather pay somebody else to do, we're probably not going to become a real community. Until we take our ministry, the place where God has called us to serve, seriously, we've got to take it seriously until that ministry becomes so important To us, so important that if I can't find somebody to fill in for me when I'm away, then I'm willing to sacrifice my plans and be here anyway. Okay? How many of you work a regular job? 40, 50, 60 hours a week. Okay? What would happen if you just decided not to show up? Maybe you wanted to make a trip. Man, I'm sitting on my back porch. It's Sunday afternoon. Gosh, I'd love to go to the mountains. Let's just load up and go. What would happen on Wednesday when you came back and showed up at work and you just didn't call anybody? Ping slip. (laughs) Yeah. What if you decide just hey, you know what? I'm wore out. I'm just going to sleep in four or five extra hours today and then I'll show up when I want to. What would happen? guess what? they let you go. What would happen if, if you were given a schedule and expected to do a specific job and on a certain day and you just didn't show up and you didn't let anybody know you were not going to show up or make sure that that was covered for you? What would happen on your job? Hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> now listen, most of you would never do that, okay? Why? Because your livelihood depends on it. If I don't go to work, guess what? I don't eat. Well then, here's a question that you know I'm not asking because I'm at, God's asking me this question as well. Why in the world would you do that when it comes to your ministry? To your job, to your, to your uh, attendance and your involvement in the things that could have the potential to change another person's eternity. Why would we just slough that off? Why would we, why would we take the shortcut? Perhaps maybe it's because, you know what, you just you don't think anybody's gonna miss you if you don't show up? Perhaps you think that what you do is really not that important. But I want you to listen to me this morning. It is. It's vital. It's essential. Uh, the community misses it and everything that you're co- connected with in this ministry has eternal consequences in this community. Our commitment to Jesus, listen, is mirrored in our commitment to His church. That's, that's just reality. I know people say, well, you know what? I love Jesus, but I hate church. They don't love Jesus. Okay? I mean, I'm just, that's just reality if it wasn't for if it wasn't for people ministry would be great well if it wasn't for people there would be no ministry okay why in the world would i let my ministry slide see when i let my ministry slide you feel it if i don't study and give you something to eat what you get junk food amen it's worse than junk food it's just empty calories and wasted time and so we're all responsible to each other and so our commitment to jesus is mirrored in our commitment to the body listen don't tell me how much you love jesus if you're unwilling to serve and take responsibility for your service as part of this community okay because if you don't love if you don't love the community you don't really love jesus That's what what Jesus said, hey, how can you say you, you hate your brother but love God? You know why one of the main reasons that the early church in Jerusalem prospered and experienced exponential growth? You know why it was? Simple commitment. They were willing to do whatever was needed whenever it was needed to follow Christ. They were willing to serve where they were needed. They were were willing to give whenever it was needed. They were willing to do whatever needed to be done so that one more person could be introduced to Christ. I want to read this passage to you, and I want you to listen very closely. It's found in Acts chapter 2, verse 41 and 47. Most of you are familiar with it. Uh, Peter's preaching, and all of a sudden it says, "...so then those who heard His word..." heard Peter's word, and accepted Christ, were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And we miss this most of the time. We miss this next phrase, and they were continually devoting. Uh, Another way of saying that is they were continually committed. They were continually devoted, committed, themselves, to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Now what were they in awe of? They were in awe of the commitment and what was taking place. When people saw how committed they were they were blown away. Look what happened after there was some commitment. It says in this verse that everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Those signs and wonders were not what were bringing the people. It was the commitment of Joe and Mary and Tom. Not the commitment of the apostles but the commitment of of those new believers that came into the church who, who were willing to do whatever it took to share the gospel with one more person. And all these who had believed were together. They were a community. That's what what that passage is trying to say. And had all things in common and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. They were not communistic, okay? This was not a commune. But they had things in common. Whenever there was a need, the community acted and did what was necessary. When somebody was hungry, they took care of that. When somebody didn't have any clothes, they took care of that. It wasn't just one person, it was everybody. They had things in common. And day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. One of the main components that produced this unparalleled spiritual and numerical growth in that church, it wasn't the miraculous it wasn't a miracle a minute that drew the crowds. It was just simple commitment. They sprang, those miracles, those signs, and those wonders, they sprang out of the fertile ground of commitment. New believers became committed believers rather than selfish consumers. They committed themselves to God and, the, the, and their commitment of faith, and guess what happened? God moved. God moved. What could happen in 2018 if we just committed ourselves to God and we committed uh, ourselves to this community? Listen, I guarantee you and me, we'd be changed. This church would grow. There wouldn't be any ministries that would be lacking. Listen, spiritual gifts don't solve needs. Okay? Committed people solve needs. Committed people lead people to Jesus Christ. Committed people do what needs to be done when things need to be done. And so my question this morning is just, will you commit? Maybe the time has come for us to burn our ships. Okay? All of us have one. I can't burn yours, you can't burn mine. All right? We have to burn our own. So what if we burned our ships and we just marched out to that thing or to those things that God's calling us to do? Listen, I'm not going to ask you in a few minutes to come up and tell me that you're committed. I'm not going to ask you to get up and, and come to this altar. I'm, I want you to think about this for a while, okay? For at least a week. But I want you to count the cost. All right? Because commitment has a cost. It means I'm going to have to let some things go. Good things. Listen, I'm not preaching about bad things this morning. I'm I'm just talking about there are good things and there are better things. There are things that I enjoy doing and there are things that God wants me to be doing. They're not bad things. I just can't be committed to them if I'm going to be committed to Him. Him. And so I want you to count the cost. I don't want you to get caught up in an emotional moment. I don't want you to feel guilty this morning. You know me, okay? You know me. In in the past six years, I'm not into guilt and shame. I just want you to think where you're at. You may be 100% committed, you may have bailed out of the airplane without a parachute, you may be floating and and free-falling with Jesus Christ. If that's you, I'm not talking to you. Okay? But you may have one foot in and one foot out. Let's see what happens. Well there's only so long you can stand like that. If you've ever stood in a boat, every time I go to the river uh, there'll come a moment when I have to step out of my brother-in-law's boat onto his pier. That has to be a fluid motion. Because if I freeze up with one foot on the boat and one foot on the dock, guess what happens? I can't do this place, okay? (laughs) I come apart, all right? I I fall. And most of the time I fall in instead of on something, all right? And if I fall on something it hurts, okay? So I, I, I can't freeze between two positions. I've got to say yes or no. I've got to commit or keep both my feet on that boat and let's make another pass. That's where we're at. Some of you want to stand in, in two places. You can't. You can't be pulled by the wind two different directions. Listen, don't get caught up in the emotion of the moment. This is not about emotion, it's about making a decision. It's about sitting down and getting along with God and, and thinking out a choice that number 1 i don't it's I, it, I you don't have to make it you choose to make it okay so i want you to understand that it's about burning your boat it's about burning your escape route it's about being all in 100% and you know what if we will all get in all of a sudden there'll be community because you know what you can trust your brother. You can trust your sister. You can make a phone call and you know if you need some help they'll be there. You, you know that if, if, if you're sick there's going to be somebody to help out. You know if, if you're lacking in something and you need some help, hey just a phone call. You know that when you show up on Sunday morning there's going to be some people that will worship with you and encourage you. They may carry you for a while. You ever been to worship and you just didn't want to worship? Listen, I show up almost every Sunday morning and I don't want to preach, all right? I felt really bad over there. There's something going on and I don't know what it is, but every Sunday morning I get the same feeling, okay? And I just have to fight through it. I feel great now. All right? But what happens is when I show up and we start to worship, I get encouraged. It's happened every single time since we planted the church. It started in the cafeteria in Fultondale with me sitting in a little step stairwell listening to the, the folks warm up to get worship. I I'll, I get there and I go, oh God, oh God, oh God, nobody's going to show up. This is going to be an abject failure. And, and all of a sudden I forget all about that. And God would just show up and just be me and Him. See, we need each other when we worship because we don't all get here ready to go. Amen? Amen. In fact, most of us don't get here ready to go. <laughs> We're not like my Mexican brothers. They are all in and ready to go. We have to warm up a little bit. But when we get warmed up, you know what? We arrive at the same place. And so we need one another. That's what a that's what a body is. That's what a community is and the only way we can have a body and the only way we can have a community is if we're committed. We got the same purpose, the same goals. Listen, here's the goal. We want to see Jesus Christ lifted up. And we want people to know Jesus Christ. And we want people who are broken and hurting to find relief and to find salvation and to find deliverance. That's it. That's pretty simple. I want Jesus to be glorified. He came to seek and to save those who are lost. Guess what? We are to continue that ministry. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Guess what? We are to continue that ministry. But a handful of people can't do that. I mean it's like Custer's last stand every day. Y'all remember that? That little group of soldiers, outnumbered and outgunned and you know what happened? Every one of them died. Okay? And over time that's what happens in a church. We're outnumbered, we're outgunned. But if there's commitment guess what happens? We don't give up. We don't give in. And God sends relief. But if we don't have commitment, there's no relief. And so we have to have commitment, we have to to have community or we don't have church. You say, Nelson, why do you preach that on the last day of the year to encourage us for 2018? Well, number one, God told me to, okay? (laughs) And number two, I get my greatest encouragement out of the community. Okay? I know how it works. I see steps that somebody's making in their life and that encourages me. I see somebody doing something they don't think anybody else saw them do. Uh, uh, putting something in the plate or, or, or leaving something for somebody or just a, a, a kind gesture. I see that and I get encouraged. You see, that's what we need. We just need commitment. Just commitment. One person can't do it all. The church is not about one person. It's not about the pastor. It's not about the worship team. It's not about any one person. It's about all of us. We're a body. Listen, if 90% of my body's not working, guess what happens? I don't get up. I don't get anything to eat. I don't grow. I die. And so, as a body, we have to get more of our body involved. There has to be some commitment. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.EaglesWingChurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening, and have a blessed week.